Amen. So Psalm 64, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll start right out in, in verse 1. So it starts with, uh, To the chief musician, the Psalm of David, Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. So uh, David starts off here, and he's asking the Lord to hear his cry. And uh, We've studied through this several times. That means that he has a confidence knowing that God is hearing him. Um, we, uh, when we pray to the Lord and, and I think we discussed this last week, when we pray to the Lord, sometimes I think we can get to the point where we hope that our prayer will re- will reach up to heaven, that it will somehow get through to heaven. And, but we forget that, especially as a Christian, you have the Holy spirit living right within you. Uh, so, so when we're even offering up a prayer, that's a whisper, the Lord is right there listening to us, and he knows our hearts, and he knows our minds. So as we're communicating to him, he loves to show himself strong, and he wants to confirm to us that he does hear our prayers. We may be to the point where um, you know, we, we don't think he does. We think the prayers are hitting the top you know, the roof. Um, well, about you guys, but I've been to the point where the prayers that I offered didn't appear to be answered. You know, there's, there's that, that point like, well, I didn't get my end result that I wanted, so apparently God wasn't listening. And uh, I know a lot of people that uh, that uh, that that's the stance is, hey, you know, I was going through this circumstance, and I don't know that God heard me. And um, you know, when the Lord tells us that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways, that's something to meditate on because we don't know, we don't know His will. We don't know, uh, you know, what he's going to do next. But we do know in the scriptures that we can trust him, you know, that he's going to carry us through whatever it is. You know, sometimes that circumstance is, uh, is crazy, something we never thought we'd, we'd, we'd experience in life. Sometimes it's not that crazy. It's, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. Would you hear me? And you're like, I don't know if God heard me or if I'm not saying it right or something's not right with my relationship or whatever it is. And we'll start doing you know, uh, mental cartwheels trying to figure out what's going on. But when the scriptures just tell us that the Lord hears us, you know, and I've shared this, um, I spent um, several years uh, upstairs as a um, Sunday school teacher and uh, um, just talking to the kids. And I know I've shared this with, with uh, whoever's been here for quite a while, um, quite a while. I've been pastor in the church for what, 10, 10 months, but, but you, you know that, but but it's that when I had the discussion with the kids and we were going through a teaching and, and it was explaining that uh, that the Lord knows the number of hairs on our heads. That's that's an understanding and a knowledge of us that goes beyond our comprehension. That we, that that we I don't know that we can fathom that, that God knows us that well. He knows the intimate details of our lives that well. And when we cry out to him. He knows those cries. He recognizes those cries. You know, I, I, I got to know the different cries of my children. You know, that you, you, know, you hear kids, like you can tell when someone's hurt, right? There's that scream, blood-curdling cry, right? You know, I, I, my daughter uh, Natalie ripped off her thumbnail one day, shutting the door, ripped right off. It wasn't like it broke, like broke apart, like the whole thing ripped off. And Jen had to deal with that cry, uh, that scream. And uh, and just just some of those some of the things right or or the whiny cry or this or that, God understands what we're going through. It, it's it's not like we ever leave Him to at a point where He's like, I don't know what's going on with you. I'm sorry. Maybe someday I'll figure you know, figure it out, or you know I'll be able to understand you. No, He understands us so well, and He understands the the smallest details of our lives. So us praying to him and calling out to him, I know we've gone through like half of a verse here, and I said that we might go through three chapters, but but the, the importance of us understanding that when, when David says, hear my voice, O God, he does, he's saying that with confidence that God does hear him. So, uh, and he says, in my meditation, uh, preserve my life from fear of the enemy. What he's asking is for him to be preserved from fearing his enemy. Not his enemy. He does pray that several times. But when he's saying, preserve me from fear. You guys know that song by Zach Williams, Fear is a Liar? Man, what a song that is. You know, I've had that song looped in my ear before. 
and just sitting there listening to it. Fear is a liar. And I'm just going through and I'm like, he's absolutely right. You know, because when has fear ever, ever done us? I mean, sometimes a healthy fear is good, right? You know, when you lose fear for the power that's behind, you know, in that four wheeler that you're cranking on. I've been there before and um, and I've, I've shared it before, but I remember being in a, um, a gravel pit. And I'm riding with, I just bought my four-wheeler. And I mean, I grew up driving four-wheelers, riding dirt bikes, all those things, right? Those were all things that uh, I was familiar with. But when I lost fear of that thing, I, I hit a jump once. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of fun. And I'm like, okay, that was fun. Kind of reminds me of Alan with his, with his cam in here uh, on 4th of July. Like, okay, that was little. Okay, let's, let's turn it up, right? You know, if you guys can, um, can uh, associate with that in your lives. Um, man, did I punched that thing and I launched it. And when I was up in the air, I was leaning forward too much and the front end of my four wheel. So you guys know what that means, right? When that front end is going like this, I'm just holding on and I'm trying to throw my backpack. Finally, I landed just right and I didn't crash. That could have been the end of my life, right? That could have been everything. And so that, that, uh, when I reflected on it, I'm like, I lost the fear of what I can, what can happen to me if I don't respect the power of this thing. Right. So that that so there is a healthy fear in our life that that if we neglect uh, the fact that we're mortal and uh, that we could hurt ourselves or, or anything, we could get to a point where we we uh, have an unhealthy fear. But what he's asking is for the Lord to preserve his the fear from uh, to preserve him from the fear of the enemy, you know, because that fear is the one that will cause us to become a recluse spiritually or even physically right and 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 we'll walk in defeat we'll walk uh in in fear of oh this is going to happen to me or that's going to happen to me so i shouldn't go anywhere and i should just lock myself in my house i had a friend um his mom was agoraphobic and she wouldn't leave the house you know she might go outside to like change the clothes clothesline but that was it you know and um i didn't understand it as a kid i'm like I'm asking my mom, like, why does his mom ever leave? And she's like, oh, well, she just, you know, she that that's her. And she's trying to protect her. And I'm another kid, like, why, why, why? It didn't make any sense, right? But I had my own fear when I would leave their house and I'd sprint as fast as I could home because I thought the boogeyman was going to jump out of the, the, you see what I mean? So there, there's all kinds of things for us to fear. And David said, don't let me fear my enemy because he knew who was in control of his life and the one that he could call on for deliverance and safety. Uh, God had proven himself uh, to him. So David was asking that the Lord would preserve him uh, from being overcome by fear of the enemy. Verse 2, hide me from the secret, secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words. So David is asking the Lord to hide him from these secret plots. Whatever they're plotting against me, Lord, please be the hedge of protection around me. Hide me from them so that they won't have victory over my life. That's what David is praying for. He's asking to be protected from whatever secret plots are. They're secret, so he doesn't know what they are, but he knows they're happening. You know, David, uh, if, if you consider, uh, you know, what he went through in his life, um, that he at one time had to run from his son, he had to run from his father-in-law. I mean, th this guy went through some pretty hard times, hiding in caves, acting like he's a crazy man, spitting all over himself and all these things just to preserve his life. This man knew what it was like to be in those, those situations where if I don't do this, my life is over. You know, this guy knew these things, and when he didn't understand exactly what they were, he, but he knew he had enemies, but he didn't know what they were plotting, he's just saying, God, whatever they're plotting me uh, against me, just hide me from it. Keep me safe from them. Don't give them victory over my life. And he says, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. You know, their rebellion uh, in their lives, rebellion from the word. He was, he was a Jew, so he's talking about those within his nation that are, are rebelling against the Lord and seeking after his life. And they're workers of iniquity. And look what he says here uh, is, their, is their, their, um, their weapon. He says, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words. The bitter words were the problem. And they're trying to get really good at speaking uh, these, these things here that they, they, they shouldn't. He says that they would sharpen their tongue 
like a sword, right? Why would you sharpen a sword, right? Uh, you sharpen a sword that so in battle it, it's it's not dull. It's not like bouncing off somebody's leg, right? You unfortunately for the other guy, you want that sword to be razor sharp so that when it hits uh, the enemy, it takes them out. That's that's the point, right? To defend yourself. And uh, when when he's talking about that 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 they're they're uh, sharpening their tongue like a sword, that means that they're working on the craft of words. That means that they're, they're, they're working. How can I be crafty? How can I gain victory based on what I'm saying? How can I be a good plotter? So their, their craft was plotting and scheming. And they're spending their time getting uh, good at being smooth talkers, being ones that would manipulate uh, situations. And when it says arrows, um, if you consider, consider James chapter 3, where James is talking about if you can tame your tongue, you, you're, you're perfect. You've perfected life, you know, but what do you, what does he say about it? We can't tame our tongue. And he, and he goes on to say that like, uh, how, how things happen is, is he's saying, you know, out of, out of uh, the, the mouth uh, from the tongue will come blessings and cursings. These shouldn't, things shouldn't be so, you know, that you'd bless God and then, you know, you would curse your neighbor. Those things can't be together. Right. Because we're called, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four are, are, are relative to our relation, man's relationship with God, and the last six, man's relationship with man, right? And then when Jesus said you can sum up the whole law by saying uh, that uh, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, right? And we can't say that we love our neighbor if we're backbiting them as soon as they turn around. Right, that's uh, that's that's a hypocrisy within our lives. That's that's a duality within our hearts. That's that's you know we're we're praising God and we're we're cursing man. So those things those things uh, two things shouldn't be uh, coming together. So when they're say, when he's saying these arrows are, are are bitter words that he that what they're doing is what they're saying is going out. What they're trying to do is kill him by by these plots and these schemes. They're trying to come up with something to take his life. So they're sharpening their tongue. They're 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 bending back their bow. You know, as anybody, if you've shot bow, uh, you know what that is. You pull it back till you get to, that, especially a compound bow. You get it back to, you know, where you where you want it, and and you can feel, okay, this is as far as I'm going with this, and it will stop there. And 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 once you've got that there, you let that go. You want it to hit that target. And they're bending back their bow when they're preparing their words so that they go out and they they cause the harm that they want. And what he's saying is hide me from that because I know what they're up to, Lord. They're sharpening their tongue against me. They're they're bending their bow. They want to send out uh, uh, these bitter words like arrows. And uh, so these people that are getting good at, at, at these things that would work against him, he's praying against those things. Verse 4, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. So, uh, you know, these wicked plans, what's being described here is these wicked plans are, are uh, being played out in secret so that it would leave an unsuspecting victim, right? So they'll work this out in secret. Hey, don't tell them. Or, hey, when this happens, we're going to get them here. Uh, so we saw a little bit of this uh, in the life of Paul as we're working through Acts in the morning, right? That as soon as you know Paul started uh, preaching the word and he's no longer persecuting the church and he's a changed man. Uh, he's not Saul of Tarsus walking around with the... Um, with the uh, with the permission to arrest Christians and, and bring them in for trial so that they could be killed or imprisoned or anything. That that when Saul changed and he's brought to uh, the the apostles and the apostles hesitantly are like, uh, we're not really sure. So they're kind of accepting him, but we're not really sure. And then Barnabas brings him in and goes, no, guys, he's good. And he explains everything. And then they take him in. And then uh, Saul, being full of the Holy Spirit, is going out and he's preaching. And all these people that he, he would have been partners with in persecuting the church are now enemies of him. And they got to the point where they're they're trying to kill him, and they're trying to 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 hide Paul away, and they have to lower him down uh, out of out of the wall. Uh, you know, consider consider that that, that they had the, these these plans figured out, and they're going, okay, they're waiting for you right outside here. So these secret plans were were revealed, and then they've got to lower him down, uh, you know, outside a window and get him get him to safety. It's that same type of thing, like those when when you consider all those uh, secret plans. 
the secret plan is devised so that you'll find somebody, catch somebody unsuspecting, right? Oh, okay, so think of it this way. Um, you guys ever been to a, like a school fight, <laughs> right? How many times was a school fight like, I'm going to fight against you and we're going to just square up? Sometimes it was that way. But I, what I found uh, to be the, the, the case most often, sucker punch, right? <laughs> I got something against this guy and I'm going to go up and just nail him where he, he's not even going to see it. Right. Because because there's an insecurity within that person. So they're gonna, I'm going to keep it a secret. I'm, I want him to be unsuspecting. I don't want him to know what's coming. Right. And usually the person that's going to go do that has 30 people behind him. Right. Let's go. You know, and I'm brave and I'm strong. And they're going to go confront the guy who's not even expecting it. And they're just going to just they're going to beat him up. And, hey, you fight against me. You're going to have to take. See, it, it's but it's if you think of it that way. That, that this plan, you know, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless, the one that's not expecting it, and not only not expecting it, but the blameless, the guilty, the wicked one that's going against the one that's blameless. You know, David, what David is explaining here is they don't have a right to be able to do this. They're not doing this and, and, and saying, well, rightfully so. David's not agreeing with them. You know, but he, what he's saying here is I'm blameless of what they're trying to accuse me of and why they're trying to kill me. I'm, I'm blameless of that. So uh, he, he might have uh, been writing this about Saul's officers who were, were also uh, out for him, whatever it may be. <clears throat> he's saying that, uh, you know, they, they may be doing this in secret. But then it says, suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. There's a point where, OK, the attack's out. You know, it's no longer a secret. You know, the cat's out of the bag, and now the, the attack is on. Uh, and, and they grow bold uh, when, uh, when they know that they're, or they think they're going to have their way. So suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. You know, they're quiet about it. They're, um, they're going to bring it up uh, when they want to, and then boom, now it's no longer, you know, the, the element of surprise, right? He's, what he's asking for is that they wouldn't be victorious with the element of surprise against him. Verse 5, they encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? They devise iniquities. Uh, we have perfected a shrewd scheme. Both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. You know, when, when you look at this, they're like, yeah, we got him now. That's, you know, if we wanted to summarize that, we got him. There's no way, no way he's going to get around this trap. But what does it say all throughout the Psalms? It's like they set a snare and then they themselves get caught up in it, right? They've, they're setting up the perfect trap and you know, there's no way. They're saying here the, you know, they encourage themselves in an evil matter. You know, the encouragement, hey, we know what we're doing is wrong, but we can justify it, right? And, and what they're saying is here is, you know, we're, we're laying these things here. Nobody's going to see them. They, we're going to totally catch them off guard. And he says they devise iniquities and they say that we have perfected a shrewd scheme. Like, oh, we've got the perfect plan, right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but as kids, you know, when you think you've got the perfect plan and you have no idea that it was doomed to failure and still, but you still think you've got it, right? Um, reminds me, we didn't have a, it, it, this is just a similar thing that we had a potato gun once and, uh, and uh, we're at my buddy's house and uh his, I think it was his, uh, his grandfather that, that built it for us. And, uh, it was one of those, if you don't know a p potato gun, uh, it's just this big PVC pipe thing that you can put an ignition switch in. And, uh, and, and I, I didn't ever build them and I, I was, I, this is what I know about it. Okay. And then what you, that ignition switch is going to cause a spark. And what you do is you spray hairspray within this canister in the back and then you launch it. You, you like that and you've shoved a potato down there and you launch the potato, right? So we just thought, hey, we're just going to keep shooting this thing, and there's nothing ever wrong that could happen. And we're launching them over buildings into the Penobscot River on Main Street in Bucksport. And we're launching them, and then all of a sudden we hear, thunk. <laughs> it's like, this one didn't go, right? Brand new Ford F-150s going, bam, right into the side of it, right? We thought, oh, hey, this thing's going to work every time. You know, we had all confidence that this thing's going to work every time. Bang! And we're like, cats you know we're all scattering everywhere and we're, we're running in different directions right uh thankfully we never got caught or anything but man did we have some confidence that we could just shoot that thing and that nothing could go wrong it went wrong <laughs> and we shot a brand new truck which we could have had 
I don't know what it would probably just. I think it might have put a dent. We didn't stick around long enough to see. We were all teenagers and we were we were running here. But these guys are. Uh, they think they've got the perfect. We have perfected a shrewd scheme here. You know. Yeah, we got them now. And what? And then David says both. The inward thought and the heart of man are deep. David is speaking that these men have murder deep in their minds and deep in their hearts, right? Remember when, when Jesus talked about sin, he, he, he clarified that sin is a matter of the heart. You know, when, when he said, you know, if a man were to look at a woman with lust in his eyes, he's already committed adultery with her. You know, when he says that, that wickedness, uh, you know, comes from without somebody, it doesn't come from within. Remember, the, the religious leaders were, were challenging Jesus. And they were saying, oh, your, your, uh, your uh, disciples haven't washed their hands. They're defiling themselves. He said, no, the defilement comes from, from uh, without, not, uh, sorry, from uh, within. Uh, and it, it's what man speaks. It's the words that come out that defile a man. It's not what, what we would eat and take in that would bring defilement. Because that's what they believed. They believed in in their their own belief system over over God's rules and and what God had to say. You know, it was, it was a matter of the heart. That God looks at the uh, you know the thoughts and intents of hearts. Uh, you know, those are the important things. But uh, but man, we may look at things differently. Verse seven. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So they're planning these things, and what he's saying is God takes care of of uh, taking uh, taking them out. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So he will make them stumble over their own tongue. All who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. The, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. You know, this psalm is a great blueprint for Christians that are facing battles in life. That that we understand where the victory in our battles comes from. Right? It's not the fact that we okay, now that I'm spiritually strong enough, I can face this battle alone. How many times did we see Israel get pretty cocky? And man, they, they got a whooping and then they got to tuck their tails behind their legs and run away and go back to God and say, "Yeah, we got a little cocky." Uh, we, we got a little confident in ourselves and uh, and they they would have to repent and and uh, and turn to the Lord. You know, so when you consider this psalm, you know, this is uh, this is a reminder. And, and when you look at this this psalm, uh, it will help us to do a few things to identify identify the threats to our faith in our lives. You know that, that we would be mindful. Right. We can't walk around mindless to the fact that we. Uh, are are in the middle of a spiritual battle, right? Remember what 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 Paul uh, Paul said. You know, we fight against principalities and powers and rulers um, uh, in in dar in the in the heavenly places, right? Uh, when we consider I'm, I'm messing up a couple verses there in my head, it's I, I, as I say every Sunday night. Sunday night, you, you know, I hope you get the point, right? Our our battles in life, the biggest ones are spiritual battles. The physical ones. Those are the ones that, that we can get past if our if we're right spiritually, right? I mean, we may be facing you know the loss of a job, we may be facing you know uh, some sort of persecution or anything. But if we're strong in our faith uh, and 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 we're established in how we're walking with the Lord, then we can look at these things that we're going through and go, "That's a threat right there. I see that right there." And what I need to do is just. We just saying, you know, I am holding on to you. We just go and grab it like like a child would to, to their their parent's leg, and like I'm not going anywhere. My uh, my nephew's son um, yesterday. He's um, he's he's a cute kid, but he's definitely a mama's boy. And uh, when he takes a little while to warm up to you, and once he's warmed up to you, then it's like he'll jump on your back and he'll wrestle you. But when I hey, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> right behind mom, right. You know, and, and because that's where he's, he's going for protection, you know, and it's 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 not wrong for us to do so spiritually. Just, you know what, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here, but I, I recognize that as a potential threat. And I need you to be the barrier between me and that. Once we understand those things, whatever scheme that can be, uh, you know, drummed up against us, uh, just understand that the Lord is going to take care of it. Just like David just said. 
the Lord is the one that shot the arrow. David wasn't like, hey, I went and I got my arsenal and I went and I got my, my buddies and we went and fought back. He's like, no, I went to the Lord and the Lord fought it for me. And the Lord took care of this. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So, uh, you know, he will make them to stumble over their own tongue. You know, they can think they've got everything together, but God's going to be the one uh, to take care of that. You know, stumbling over their own tongue is a funny thing to think of. You know, and, and all who see them shall flee away. You know, and they, uh, and it says, all men shall fear and uh, shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. And then it goes on to say, so here's an encouragement for us. You know, if you know you're righteous in a situation and that you're just, you know, facing a, 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 a persecution, a, uh, something that, uh, that you now uh, this brings to mind. And I don't mean to just bring up a controversial tom a topic just for, for fun. But if you consider what we went through three years ago and you think, you know, what was the response from that? That we had many people in the healthcare systems just say, you know what? I cannot in my own good faith do this. I'm stepping down from my position. And they were faced with, well, you either obey or, or you're fired. And they'd say, well, you don't need to fire me. I'll just resign my position. But there were people from this church that took that stance that couldn't. And I'm not getting into whether you had the shot or you wear a mask. I don't care. You know, that's, that's, we're three years past that. But the problem with it was, is that, once, once the, their employers knew that they meant business and they left, they were calling them, begging them to come back. What do we need to do to get you back? From this, from this fellowship, those that took the stand and said, I can't take the shot. My doctor has said that I can't take the shot. And they, they, and, and they oh, oh, okay, well, well, we can work around that and everything. After already telling her she's going to lose her job. Right there, there are things, and guys, I don't care who's got the shot and who hasn't got the shot. I, I don't care. That's your own medical decision. You do what you're going to do. But being forced to do something, or else, that mindset, you know, when those when those things come, we can't be caught off guard. We can't let our our faith be shaken by by something like that. We just need to be able to go to God and say. I'm presenting this to you. And when he gives us the answer, follow the answer. If that answer is this, and it's really not what we want, do that. And that's where we're going to find the victory. It may not be an immediate victory, but we're going to find that victory as we obey the Lord. He knows better for us than any boss ever could. And if we're saying, you know what, I see this in the scripture, and I've read this, and God spoke to me through a brother or sister who had no idea what I was praying about. But they called me and said, hey, you've been on my mind. I've been praying for you. And I was reading this, and I just wanted to call you and, and encourage you. Wow. <laughs> you know, sometimes the answer to prayer comes that way, whatever it is. But where it says here in verse 10, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. Just know that if, if we stand, and we, especially in a situation where, where uh, you know, we may be uh, going through something that we know. You know, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. You know, there's no reason for that person to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, against me or going through, you know, these situations. Then stand firm on, on where you're at. Stand firm and say, no, in the scripture, this is where I'm, I, I, I can find my strength. And, and I, I know that I haven't done this and God's going to take care of this. Know where our help comes from. Uh, we don't we don't have to compromise and, and fold to uh, whatever's happening here or just get to the point where he was saying uh, in, in the, the, the first part of this psalm, you know, free me uh, from the fear of my enemy. I don't want to be in that fear because that fear will confine. Know where our help comes from, trust in him and move forward. So uh, Psalm 65, we'll keep moving. This is a psalm praising God for his salvation. And providence. Very much a different theme <clears throat> from 64. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, a song. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. And to you the vow shall be performed, <clears throat> O you who hear prayer. To you all flesh will come. So praise is awaiting you, as it should. You know, God is God is the one worthy of praise. We we just praise God in our song. Sometimes our songs are are a confession. Sometimes our songs are are crying out to God. Uh, those are those are things like in "Blessed Be Your Name." You know, it might be a cry out to the Lord. You know, when you consider 
where that what that's blessed that what that's based on with you know Job. You know, think of what Job went through in his life. I mean, man, some of the the, the trials that man went through. Um, you know, he lost uh, all of his children in one day, all, all of his his livestock and, and, and his children in one day. And, um, you know, that that's quite a bit. And as he's hearing about this, then he hears about this. It's it, that those things were happening simultaneously in his life. Right. And, and you know, don't forget about the boils that he was struck with and all, all these things. So he's going through these things and his wife has some encouragement to him. Curse God and die. Right. And, and his buddies come along and they're like, there's got to be sin in your life, Job. You know, but Job got to a point where he said, no, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. That's not easy to say in the midst of what he went through. Job's faith was incredibly strong. You know, if we're only looking at, at, at the, you know, when Job starts crying out to God and he finally breaks and he's like, what's a guy got to do to get a break here? And God has to tell him, he's like. Okay, were you there when I when I formed the earth? Were you and, and God just graciously ministers to him, and then restores everything else to him later on in his life. You know, when when we can understand that, and and, and even uh, you know, so it's easy to praise God as we sang. You know, when things are good, but praise is awaiting you. Sometimes to praise God when things aren't going our way, that's practicing our faith, guys. That's that's the actual practice of faith. Right. I don't want to do this. I understand. I don't understand why I should do this, but I'm going to do it because the scriptures tell me to. That's practicing our faith. Right. Because if we only believe in what we can see, oh, oh I've got this victory. So now I'm going to praise God. I've got this going on. I don't want to praise God. I've got this going on and I woke up and I don't feel good. I don't want to go to church. I'm grumpy today. Get to church. Right. Get your butt in the car. That's, I've had to do that before. You know, I just, I, you know what? I want to break. I just want to sit at home and relax for the day. And God's like, you got work to do. <laughs> I mean, right? You know, you, you know, uh, you got to get here. You got to, you got stuff to do. You know, we're, we're, we're called to serve him and we're called to praise him. Praise is awaiting you. This is, this is talking about praise when there, there's a reflection on the salvation and the providence of God. So, even talking about those hard times, but shifting gears and looking into for the good things that he's done for us. You know, the Lord is the only one worthy of praise. You know, it's us that often don't offer praise enough and how and when we should. We've discussed that before, that sometimes, you know, God can be so mighty, as we just said, mighty to save and give us this, this great victory. And we're like, yes, it's awesome. We're calling friends. We're doing all these things. By the end of the day, you're laying your head down and you're like, dang it. <laughs> I didn't even say thanks to God and he <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here. He delivered, you know, this whole situation to me and he took care of it all. You know, I think God graciously says, "You're welcome." <laughs> right? You know, but we we can offend him, but praise is, is awaiting you, O oh God, in 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 Zion. And to you the bow shall be performed. <clears throat> o oh, you who hear prayer. So there again. To you um, that you all flesh will come. You know, when he says all uh, you who hear prayer to all, uh, and all flesh will come, uh, come to the one who hears, answers, and saves. Um, uh, you know, that's what this psalm is about. You know, you've heard, you've you've heard us, and uh, when we cry out to you, we're, we're all coming to praise you. Verse thir uh, 3 says, uh, Iniquities prevail against me uh, as for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. This is an important thing to stop and look at. Verse three, iniquities and transgressions, they can only be paid for by Christ. And David was a was very sure as he wrote this, you will provide atonement for them. You will, you will provide atonement, right? So if that, that might make you look back to the day of atonement, the Jews, if you look at the calendar, it's written in there. I think it's September, October time, October. Uh, it'll say Yom Kippur on there. That's the Day of Atonement. That was the day where they would um, they would take a spotless lamb. The high priest would take a spotless lamb, and he would take that spotless lamb behind the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place, right? <clears throat> and they would he would go into that, that most holy place, and he would offer that spotless lamb as an atonement for the sins of Israel. And so that day of atonement, and uh, when you consider 
that veil, uh, it's said to be 18 inches thick. That, that veil, I mean, that thing meant business, right? And I've heard, you know, Ken Graves up in Orrington described it. You'd have to have four team of oxen on each side to tear that thing, but with how thick it was. I don't know where he got that from, whatever, but I believe it. You know, you're, you're talking about some strong animals that would have to be tied on each side to rip that thing apart. That veil was a separation. It, it, it represented a separation between God and man. One time a year, God would allow that, that, that high priest to go into the Holy of Holies and offer the spotless lamb. You, you see that that's, that's directly pointing to the offering of Jesus Christ on the cross, right? That the sinless lamb that would, that would uh, tear, remember when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom? How do you explain that away, <laughs> Right? How do you explain that away? When when somebody who was uh, was not a believer, uh, uh, Josephus, the um, historian, said that when Jesus died that day, it was as though a, a god had died. No, God did die that day. God laid down his life. So when the earth shook and went dark and all that stuff, he he, he was saying it would have been like. You know, the, the, the pagan gods, one of them had died, and now, you know, uh, there was going to be hell to pay and all these things. No, no, the price for sin was paid, and the blood was poured out <clears throat> because of Christ. So when David is talking about that, that the Lord would provide atonement for them, that the sin would be paid for, David was sure that sin would be paid for. That's that's a, a, a powerful thing to meditate on. Sometimes we can read through things and go, no, 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 that's cute. No, but look at that and meditate on it and understand what that means. Because when you look at Hebrews, Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats weren't enough to actually cover our sin. They were just a, a foreshadow of Jesus Christ coming. Because those things, they, they, were, they were just a, a picture of what was coming. It was the the blood of Jesus Christ was the only thing that could provide atonement. So that's a that's a, a, a powerful statement that's being said here in verse three. Verse four, blessed is the man you choose and uh, and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house of your holy temple. You know when I think of that. What it says in verse four, it says, "You know, blesses a man you choose and cause to approach you." The one that was plagued by iniquity and transgression is blessed when the Holy One calls you to Him, right? Because because at that point when you're going, why? Like when when we consider if we're right, if we're thinking of our lives in a proper light of how great a sinner uh, we were, because I don't know about you guys, but I've looked back on my past and my my, my flesh will lie to me. Like, you weren't that bad. Yes, you were. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes, I was because I was rejecting the word of God. Whatever I knew of the word of God, I, I, I grew up Catholic. I didn't know a whole lot about the word. Um, but what I did know, I wasn't being obedient to whatsoever. You know, I was just a punk partying college kid. And, uh, you know, I was just doing whatever I wanted. You know, and what I'd do is I'd hope God would just kind of not see it. Or just be like, not strike me with the lightning bolt. The fact where it says here that that he would cause man to approach him, that he would, there's an invite from the Father. Where it says in verse three that says you will provide atonement for them. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you. Once the atonement has been made, then we can come to him, right? We can come to him and go, especially now when we're looking, I mean, Old Testament and stuff, they had to do what they could and what they were told to do. But for the Christian and, and for the modern day person looking into this, to understand that the atonement, the, the atonement for our sin has been paid. He's a righteous judge. He can't just overlook what's wrong because if we were wronged and somebody's uh, just given a free ticket and they don't have to, like, you know, they've, they've stolen our car and crashed it and the judge is like, sorry about your luck, kid. You know, you know, I'm just letting this guy off. That that's not a righteous judgment. You know, the 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 judgment has to be righteous, and for it to be righteous, the righteous one had to die in our place. Then he could stand and say, "Yeah, they're sinners, but they're covered in my blood." You know, when you look at uh, where where First uh, John tells us that we have an advocate 
before the Father, Jesus Christ, standing for us, an advocate, a lawyer, one that would stand there with us, right? You know, that he, he is the one that speaks for us. You know, so when we that atonement is is made, and then uh, God can uh, call us to approach Him. That's a, that's a wonderful thing to meditate on. That He may dwell in your courts. There's no greater place. You guys know that song, "Better Is One Day in Your Courts Than a Thousand Elsewhere." I guarantee you, anybody in heaven is not disappointed. They're not disappointed. I thought it was going to be prettier. You know, I thought he was going to be greater, or I thought you know my crown was going to be bigger. There's nobody there. That's sitting there disappointed. There's absolutely no disappointment uh, from anybody who's been spared hellfire, uh, you know, because of uh, our relationship with Christ. That's sitting there like I got totally ripped off. They're not. They're, they're, there's there's not the case there. To that that He may dwell in your courts, that you may be in the presence of God. The presence of God. That that's that's our desire. He gives us anything else. Like I've said before, you want to make me the, the guy sweeping the floor, I'm good with that. I'm in heaven. You know what I mean? If he's like, hey, you're the sweeper. If there, if there was no one needed, I'm good with that. You know, as long as I'm in God's, God's courts, I'm good with whatever he's got for me. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. But God has so much greater than uh, just the riches of the Lord. That the Lord himself is our reward. God himself, you know, when we, we can, we can look for rewards in this life, but understanding there's nothing that's going to be greater than having a relationship with our father, that he himself is the reward that we should, that we should seek, you know, the, having that relationship, you, you'll, you'll, you'll even find that all the way back in Genesis that it says that the satisfaction and goodness uh, we seek are in his presence. You know, it says, uh, we will be satisfied with the goodness of your house. That satisfaction. If we're looking for satisfaction and fulfillment from anything else in this life, we are going to end up empty. That's never going to fulfill us. And I, I think any of us, if we look at you know at ourselves honestly, and when we were at that that point in our life and we were trying to do that, we are going to be able to reflect and go, that's that's correct. But then when we're walking with the Lord, then we find our true fulfillment in life. That's when we find our true peace. That's when we find the, the satisfaction and the goodness is when we're just walking with God. You know, what does the scripture say? Godliness with contentment is great gain, right? Just, just walking with the Lord, just whatever he's got for me, I'm good with that. When we can get to that point in our lives, that's considered great gain spiritually. The good things that come from God. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You know, that's what God has for us is, is satisfaction and, and goodness, good things that are in his presence, and uh, we're, we're never disappointed. You ever come to church and, and just been really blessed um, by just singing to him, being in his word. I'm not talking about the message. I'm not talking about the presentation. But just when you've come here and you've you've been able to block out the craziness of life and whatever burden we came in here with, and God just separates that from you, and you were able to just... I've, I've experienced this most often when I've been at pastor's conferences or men's conference or something, and you can just block everything out. And And when you get to that point and you realize, man... What a blessing it was just to be able to lift my hands and lift my voice to God and just pour my heart out to him and, and, and just say, God, I need you to take this from my life. I need you just all these things. And it's removed. And we and we just focus on praising him for who he is and what he's done for us and that he loves us. You know, I've said this before. Not only does God love us, he actually likes us. Right. You know, how often do we disobey him? How often do we stand in opposition uh, to his word, you know, in our minds, and our hearts, and sometimes carry those things out? But God still even likes us, right? Uh, he, he's, he's just an amazing God. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from him. That, that, that the fulfillment that we're looking for, the satisfaction and goodness comes from his presence, from being with the Lord. Verse 5 but also uh, by awesome deeds and righteousness, you will answer us. 
our God of our salvation. You who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of uh, and of the far seas. Uh, verse 6 says, Who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed uh, with power. You who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. You know, the, the craziness that can happen um, in life. You know, when, when you consider, uh, going back to verse 5, the awesome, uh, where it says, By awesome deeds and righteousness you will answer us, O God of our salvation, the one that saves. Because when you look at the, the, the saving, and it says, uh, the confidence, uh, you who are the confidence of all uh, the ends of the earth <clears throat> and of the far off seas. That God, God is the confidence there. But when it when it's talking here and, and it's and it goes into verse six, who established the mountains by his strength. You know, think of mountains, right? When Jesus described, you know, how when you think of uh, you know how firm a mountain is, right? And and when Jesus describes if you have faith of a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, you know, you could remove a mountain from where it is and cast it into the sea. Right. Jesus is saying that the impossible is possible with the smallest amount of faith. That's what he's describing there. I was blessed. My daughter um, selling. Um, uh, she was at the Bay Festival yesterday. And uh, Ashley, she was she was really excited to 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 share what she had made. And she made this bold step out there um, to 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 take with the things that she's made. And the most uh, her, the uh, the thing she had the most excitement about selling were her mustard seed bracelets that she made. So she bought all the crafts and she found the mustard seed and she'd put them on the necklace and everything. And she'd be so, so excited. Like, is that a mustard seed? She's like, yeah, it's like the, the you know, when Jesus talked about it in the Bible, you know, from the, the story of the mustard seed in the Bible, she just loved to be able to share that. And people just look at them and, and, and some people are just like, yeah, <laughs> God gotcha. And then other people that understood it were like, that's a mustard seed, right? And they were just so blessed by it, right? <clears throat> that little amount of faith that God established something so mighty. I, I remember Jen and I, when we were uh, stationed in Italy and we, uh, we went to Austria for the weekend, we were, um, we were just going to, uh, uh, with a friend, uh, with uh, a couple friends to Austria to, uh, I don't know, we went to some flower garden that was in um, the sound of music. It was in um, Salzburg, Austria, beautiful garden, everything. But I was 20 years old and did not care about the sound of music. You know, but they were like, yeah, this is where they kissed in there. I'm like, I don't, don't, I don't know. But <clears throat> going through and seeing mighty mountains, guys, that they, they blasted holes in, right? And they're digging holes and everything. And we're driving through miles of tunnel, miles of them. Like I'm driving, I'm like, yeah, you know, trying to stay, like just, just put my foot down, you know, driving along and I let a Honda sit, right? You've been there, right? It's intimidating. Yeah. You're just like, where is the light at the end of this thing? And you just keep going and you keep going, right? Just to know the mountains, I know how mighty they are. They're established by God. They're nothing to him. You know, it, it, when, when, when Jesus said, yeah, you could, you know, with the faith of a mustard seed, you could cast those out. But the, the who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power, um, the mightiness of God. I don't, I don't know that. In our culture, we appreciate, and there, is, there isn't much respect for the name of God uh, overall in, in, in America's culture today. God is mostly a swear word. God is mostly the one that, you know, hey, I'll, I'll sing God bless America at a football game or whatever, but I'm not going to honor him at all with my life. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm going to, you know, hope that when, you know, catastrophe happens and we sing this, that God, God will, you know, restore us and everything, but, uh, you know, if you think by and large, this nation has uh, mostly rejected its maker. And, and we have made money our God. We've made so many other things our God in this country. Become a pagan nation. You know, that everything else but the, our creator has become the one that we would worship. And to think of him as our creator and understand the power of God. Like how mighty he is. Think about it, just that God could send one angel and strike down 185,000 Assyrians. Just gone, right? Just, just think of the power. That, and that's an angel that he has empowered. 
Think of that. Think of the might of our God. That should cause a, a, a reverence and fear for God. But that's often cast off. You know, especially in our society, it's heartbreaking to see. Verse 7, you who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. Uh, you know, the, the, the mighty God uh, with power over the seas and waves. Remember Jesus Christ in the middle of the storm, right? The, the disciples woke him up. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing sleeping? We're perishing. Don't you care and everything? And what does Jesus do? He says, oh, you of little faith, stands up and rebukes the winds and waves. And they're like, what is going on here? Peter drops to his knees and says, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. They realized that one much greater than them was there. God has you know, that power to calm that wind and wave. What it says here is to still the noise of them. You guys ever listened to, like, you've ever gone down to, like, Thunder Hole when the, just boom, and, you know, and, and you watch waves crashing in? Uh, I, I've been in, in some, um, I've been in uh, a riptide before. Uh, that's scary stuff. Um, we, we went and visited Jen's parents, and um, uh, we were on North Myrtle Beach, and that weekend, six people drowned. And uh, we were, you know, we were faced with uh, the, 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 the reality of what a riptide is. I had no idea what was going on. But we're out there, and I'm like, man, something's like pulling me hard. And I'm, I was able to kind of you know, like get away from it and everything. And uh, I turn around, and I'm walking, and I turn around. Jen's like 25 feet behind me, and I'm like, whoa. She, I'm like, just put your feet down. Uh, and she's like, I can't. And so I walked out, and I was able to grab her and, and pull her in. Took my daughter away, and I'm like, all right, we're all getting out. And I see this kid struggling. And I'm like, are you all right, man? He's like, he's like, he's like, no, I mean, I'm up here. But I, I you know, I, what I'm talking about is the might of these waves, right? And, and, and this, this tide that's, that's ripping this kid out. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a strong swimmer. I can't put my feet down. So I had, I'm, I'm grabbing him. And he wasn't that far from me, just grabbing him. And, and then to realize I had no idea what was going on. And what happens with a riptide is it will pull you out and then the waves just keep going over you and you drown. You just keep getting pulled like this. But a riptide, you're supposed to go sideways in them. You're supposed to get away with them. Otherwise, you're gonna, that, that, that wave is just going to keep coming and swallowing you up and then you drown. And <clears throat> I had no idea what was happening. I just knew this is a current, and, but I didn't understand. It was like a super current, riptide. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with the, with the ocean. <laughs> Right. There's already enough that can sting you, bite you, eat you, you know, and I've, I've just never been one of, of uh, somebody told me today uh, at work and I don't mean to horrify you or, or just it's, it's a funny thing. But I had no idea that there's this. Uh, now I can't remember what, what what the name of the shark is. It, it, it was like a, a, a um, it had like a like a, a, a peanut butter is coming. It's not a peanut butter shark, though. But it, it, it was like this this shark that will just come and it will just take a chunk out of like your, your calf. It's a smaller one, but it will just boom. And it's not looking to eat you, but it will just come take like a, a hunk of flesh and go away. And I it was like a – I can't remember what he called it, so I don't want to be too – what's that? Cookie cutter, right? I told you it was, a, it was a cookie cutter shark. I have no idea. I'd never heard of it, so I don't know much about him. There's enough in the ocean I'm not going in. But But – when you consider contending with roaring waves, and that, that this says here, you who still the noise of the seas, that you can just, and it's calm, to understand who God is, the noise of their waves, bang, whoosh, whoosh, and then just stops, that God can do that. He can still a tumult full of people, people just being crazy. God can just... I don't give them confusion and send them off and they don't even have to speak anymore. We saw that in the scripture, right? Nothing's too hard for God. And, and, and David is declaring that, you know, there, there's craziness, you know, and in our lives, we may be at a point like, like the disciples thought my life's over the wave after wave is coming. And I don't know how I'm going to get out of this thing. Cry out to the Lord and he'll deliver us from it. That's what the scriptures tell us is that God's hand is the one that can save us from those. Verse eight. They also who dwell uh, in the farthest parts um, are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoings of the morning and the evening rejoice. 
You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. For so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown uh, the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness. And the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Remember when we when we started this, this is a psalm of praising God for his salvation and his providence. That when you when you look here, it's just praising God like, Lord, look at everything around us that you have blessed. That people that even dwell in the farthest parts are, are afraid of your signs. Now think of the signs, the things that we've we've uh, studied here as a church here on on Wednesday nights. Those those uh, the wonders that God did. You know the judgments that He poured out, the plagues that He poured out on on Egypt. They no doubt got that that the news of what was happening was spreading all around. That's how God works. When he when He works, there's an undeniability. Of oh well, this just happened. Oh, you know the Savior risen from the dead, and that message spread like wildfire, even in the midst of persecution. What God does, the mighty things that God does, they they spread. You make the outgoings of the morning and the evening rejoice, and it just goes on to say, you know, you visit the earth and water it. That God is providing everything that they need. The blessedness of God's provision on the earth. You know, the perfect balances that He provides. You know, when you, when you look at all these things that were say, you water its ridges with abundant uh, waters. Uh, you sorry, you water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. Just just think of the healthiness and, and the healthy growth that's taking place. And that might what it does is it puts my my mind back to if you consider this a person, and if you look at the person and you you think of all the the parts of our lives that God ministers to. And you look back to Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the, of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And, and in uh, his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Right? Because as as our mind, as, as we're focused and as our lives are subject, God works in the same way as, as it's being described here. And, and when we're walking and God's word is our joy and, and, and what we find our fulfillment in, and as we're obeying it, we're going to see this type of, of, of um, provision of health and, and uh, the um, productivity in our lives, the fruit that comes from our lives are, are, are going to reflect what God is doing. As we're plugged into the Lord and he's pouring himself into us and, and we're growing in our faith, we're going to be able to look at our lives and, and, and uh, look at, oh, well, this is right in my life. God's made this life, uh, this, this right in my life and, you know, this relationship and, and, and this situation that I brought to him. And all these things as we're seeking him, he's going to restore order and he's going to make them healthy. When we start struggling and we find, uh, not that we're never going to have a trial in our life. So don't give me, I'm not saying to you, I'm not giving you a prosperity doctrine that everything's going to be great and you're never going to have anything wrong in your life. And if you have anything wrong in your life, you're sinful. Okay? No, that's not the case. The rain, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? We know that from the scripture. We are going to go through trials. We are going to go through hard times. But if we're starting to understand, like, wait a minute, my life is completely falling apart here. But I, and I think it's tied to this. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you see what you're doing here? You're not obeying God here, and this is, this is falling apart. But as we are going to the Lord and we're bringing these things and we're saying, you know what, God, just take all of this. And we, we submit our lives to the Lord. The order, the health, the, the, uh, the substance that comes from that can be compared to what we're, saying, what we're seeing here of how God provides. You know, the showers that are needed. You bless its growth. He blesses the growth of our of our uh, relationship with Him. You know, it's this is speaking of the of creation praising its Creator. 
You know, when the, the Psalms say, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God, you know, that, that we should declare the glory of God, that we should be plugged in, have a, a, a proper relationship with him. If there's compromise, confess it to him tonight and say, God, take this away from me. I don't want this in my life anymore. I want you. You, you as we saw in Psalm 64, you know, he's... He's the one that when when we're in his presence, I think it was 64, or was it 65? When we're we're, we're in his presence, um, uh, oh sorry, it's it, here in 65. You know, be satisfied uh, in the goodness of his house in your holy temple. I want that, Lord. I don't want the junk that this world has to offer. He has so much for us, so much greater than what this world has. Amen, amen. Well, let's pray, Father. We are incredibly blessed at your faithfulness. God, even that you would atone for us and call us close to you. Oh, you're such a great God. That you would take the disobedient, reveal your love for us, and show us your plan for salvation, and call us to you. And call us to a healthy relationship with you. That we're walking in strength. That we know, Lord, that you're going to take care of the situations that we face, the battles that we face as we lay them at your feet. And we ask you to continue to build and strengthen us. Help us to be healthy and mature, well-watered, producing good fruit for you, pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.